What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Bored and Nerdy. I am your host, Esad, a.k.a. Steve. I'm really hyped, episode two, um, and we're going to do something a little different tonight. You know, I have a good friend of mine that I've known for a few years in the gaming community. He's a fellow streamer, a fellow nerd, and he's got a gorgeous head of hair. Uh, one and all, I'd like to welcome and introduce, hey, it's Dale. Hey, it's Dale. I'm Dale. Uh, so, Dale, you know... Many folks that listen know you. Uh, shout out to the guys in the stream that came through the podcast to support it. But for those who don't, what are three things that you want people to know about you? Oh, God. Um, I'm a person. I like things. Good. And I love Things are hair. good. Um, if I only had to choose three... I'd probably have to say it's my love of like fantasy and RPG games. Um, a love for speedrunning and appreciating like all things speedrunning. Um, and yeah, books, reading. I'm a huge fan of Tolkien and uh, and uh, Lovecraft in particular. So, you know, I I have a confession. I've never read any Lovecraft. You know, that is. 100% okay, considering how awful of a person he was. See, I don't even know, like, I could be, uh, there's certain things that I know I fail at in geekdom, right? Like, I can't talk Star Wars with you. Mm-hmm. And no, I can't talk Star Trek either. Mm-hmm. And and even though I love sci-fantasy, I can't even talk Lord of the Rings with you, even though I love The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a Silmarillion person myself, so. So, so like, I just... I, I don't know anything about Lovecraft, but I know, I know when people say Lovecraftian, like to describe something, mm-hmm. I know what they mean by that. Is that weird? So, I mean, it's become a whole like pop culture thing, right? And it's been really removed from who Lovecraft is as a person. And I think what's really cool is that it's making a large comeback in the past few years because it's, it's dark. It's cosmic horror. We don't know what's going on. And we kind of love the feeling or idea of being insignificant mm-hmm. and I may, maybe that's like a millennial thing right because we're all just like grasping out for straws or whatever and that's, that's Bunch all, of that, <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> so i don't know it's, it's something like really relatable to be honest you know this was not this was not the path that we were going to take but you kind of <laughs> let us down you kind of let us down a rabbit hole that like oh, I'm, no. I'm fucking alice in this bitch right now okay like you just gave me the white rabbit and I'm chasing that 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 motherfucker right now. Um so you know, I was having this conversation uh with with a buddy of mine about the idea that a lot of artists and and creators come from really fucked up places. Mm. You know, that there's a certain level of pain or struggle that makes like really great art, but sometimes makes really shitty people. Yeah, that is that is very true. And we were having this conversation about how you meet art and the person that created the art in two different realms. And unless somebody told you that the art is connected to the person, you would never judge one for the other. Like the art kind of stands on its own. Do you you see what I'm saying? Slash, do you feel it or do you disagree? So uh, I feel conflicted on the answer because there's no like pure one size fits all. Cause every case is going to be different based on the person actions they've done, who they are, who they like, how they define themselves. Um, what sticks out to me 
in particular, well, well take Lovecraft. He's a really awful person, uh, horribly racist, and a lot of his works embody like a subtle sort of um of of derogatory nature like it's it, mm -hmm. there's subtle yeah, yeah. racism in there but when i was younger just reading it i had no idea his past i had no idea what he was like as a person and when i was going through it i didn't pick up on any of that it wasn't until i started looking into who he was as a person later on where i learned all that i'm like oh that makes X story make a lot more sense now. That makes Y thing mm. seem a little bit more complete, not in a great way. And I think in his case in particular, you can see like a, a very big distinction between the art and the person where even today his work has such a big influence on so many different things. One of my favorite games even being Bloodborne by, uh, by FromSoft, the guys who do Dark Souls. And it has such a phenomenal impact in the... Uh, nature and story of the game but then you take a look into we can say musicians where a lot we'll, we'll, we'll take um uh jesse lacy from brand new he had yeah, all yeah, right. these allegations against him for uh for underage grooming for minors and all, all these other things and you see direct correlation in the songs that he wrote and that is where i kind of pause like do i separate the art from the artist is that because mm. it, it's a direct it's consequence. yeah it derives it derives one created yeah and it's yeah, just it, it's, it's those kind of things where i just i i i, I don't think i can oof so originally i was like is it is it that complicated but now you brought up there's a there's quite a few artists uh specifically in the music genre that now yeah. that you say that like like i mean this is this is uh extreme case of it right but like right you listen to r kelly's love making music and then you connect the rest of that and it's like oh 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 i feel gross now well, i need to go i need to go yeah i don't know if you follow um as i lay dying they were a metalcore band from the mid thousands i think um the uh the the, the vocalist their old vocalist hired a hitman to take out his wife and he was uh, arrested and put in jail so he he got out last year two years ago sometime recently and there's been this whole discussion as to hey he's a changed man he learned his lesson let's support him again versus no he did something fucked up let's not support that and just, it really really makes you think and it's it's a tough question too like there's no just perfect answer for that is there no, no, there's not. And originally where I was going to take this is because like the one of the pieces that we were looking at was um, this photo. And it was really it was haunting. It was like it was a cross between between haunting and well, actually, it's the most appropriate word. But it was like almost if the world of the macabre met the world of the desperate. Right. So it was like that. the definition. It was the definition of haunting. Um and then I come to learn about the the artist. I'm not going to put a specific name on blast because this person is kind of close in the community. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. But that's still a really good photo. Like, am I allowed to still like this really amazing photograph? Knowing that the person that took it is... And it, it's kind of weird because we see a lot of themes play out in, in um, games that kind of makes you wonder about the people that 
yeah put them out there yeah for sure and you know and it's it's just an interesting little twist on things so to get back into fun and happy topics because <laughs> um i promise you guys dale dale is a a very like you heard him he, he could be a jovial dude he could also be uh intellect and a cynic if you want him to be um <laughs> It's all he's he's multifaceted. So Dale, last time I gave them a little introduction as to my gaming background and what kind of draws my eye and how I develop my taste in games. And as I expect you to be somebody that guys, this won't be the last time you hear from Dale. I talk to him all the time and I really respect his opinion on things from gaming to literature to global issues. Um, so why don't, why don't you give us a little timeline of your development in specifically the realm of gaming and developing your taste and what you prefer as a gamer. Sure. Um, so when I was younger, I'd often go over to, uh, to my dad's house. My mom and dad split and, uh, I, I just chilled with my dad for a weekend. Well, I was four years old. Picture this. Okay. 1997, four years old. You were four. Jesus. I'm old. I'm just learning how to read. <laughs> Final fantasy seven comes out for the PlayStation one. My dad picks it up. He picks up the, uh, the strategy guide. What better way to spend family time together than playing through Final Fantasy VII, me, you know, controlling the character, doing the stuff, learning how to read the text boxes and everything. My dad, sh- you know, like shoving away my eyes when the swears and everything else came on. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's how I started my, uh, my adventure into gaming. I started with uh, FF7, became one of my favorite games of all time. And when I grew up to be a little bit older, uh, stayed with my grandparents and my uncle, and he had a uh, he had a NES. I played, you know, I played the Mario's, I played the Duck Hunts, I played the the Castlevania, and the Legends of Zelda's. Uh, I got my own SNES. I didn't really get too into it though. I do remember specifically having uh, Super Mario All Stars, which contained like remade versions of uh, Mario One through Three, uh, the Lost Levels, oh, the Japanese Two, and then the USA Two. And I, I love the hell out of that. And then after there, I, I don't know, I, I kind of like, my, uh, uh, my, my dad gave me his PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 and gave me a, a couple of games. Got really into the Kingdom Hearts series and just other various RPGs from like the late, um, late 90s to early 1000s. And then I was, I was on the PS2 train, but me being kind of, poor and broke uh, i didn't really mm. get new games i just played the games that i had uh, notably legend of mana a lot of people know the mana series for sword of mana um or the i think the newest game coming out is trials of mana now but legend of mana is a, a guiding game guiding game a spinoff and does not get nearly the amount of love that it deserves and it was my first game into speedrunning actually and being the person who didn't really get new games, I saved up all my money. I got an Xbox 360 because that's what all my friends had. We got into the Halos and the Gears and the I didn't, I didn't really play the, the Call of Duties because I thought they were bad. But uh, ooh, unpopular opinion. Yeah, shots fired. But yeah, that, that's that's kind of where I've been. Like I, I I was on the FPS train for a little while, and then once Halo stopped, once Gears stopped, got to Gears Three, Halo Four, it just lost its edge. I'm like. Yeah, give me my RPGs. I like them. I want them back. So, question for you. And, and I often wonder this. Um, 
as someone that also, you know, I, I had to buy any con- uh, console I wanted, I had to buy. You know, I, I mowed lawns and, and mm-hmm. shoveled driveways and did all the, you know, the typical 12-year-old things you do to hustle to get <laughs> to get your PlayStations and your Segas. Um, so, actually, it's live. My, my mother got me my first console, which was the, the original NES. But everything after that, I had to purchase. Do you think that part of your love for speedrunning can be contributed to the fact that it was about, um, you know, perfecting what you had before moving on to the next thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, legend of mana is one of my top three games of all time. It's a, it's a ranking ankle game that came out in 99, I believe. Um, alongside FF nine, if I remember right. I remember being so entranced by the artwork and the music and the quote-unquote choice that it gave you. There are three different storylines that uh, you can take depending on the way that you arrange the worlds, the characters you meet, what you do in-game. And that appealed to me so much as a kid. And as a kid who, you know, I'm not getting new things all the time and I'm replaying the same game over and over and over, that kind of illusion of choice gave me so much to work with and i feel like that's something that's really kind of lacking now like we get our roguelikes right we get you know you go through a random area it changes every time but most games are like a one big like adventure and that's it i have to tell you and this is my call of duty moment i don't like roguelikes that i that 100 percent fair like I don't think that everything needs to be a roguelike. It doesn't all need to be, you know, completely random. You don't need to have different things here and there, and that's that's the main appeal of the game. <sighs> Thinking like Dead Souls, Rogue Legacy, whatever, or Dead Dead Cells, Dead Souls, Dead Cells. Yeah, Dead Cells. Um, yeah. But having something that's not just one big narrative and that's it is something that really appeals to me. Or just like so, other so- other content to do apart from like the one big thing. My my whole issue is kind of like. And it, so Dead Cells is a great example of this. I've got a few games in my Steam library that mechanic-wise feel great, artwork feels great, but execution feels off because of the fact that um, there's a lack of familiarity. to. There's something about knowing a level to me. There's something about perfecting a path to me. Interesting. There's something about like connecting and being able to explain to somebody like, Yo, on level 3-1, this happens. Yo, did you experience that or did you miss it? Sure. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And also the randomization of the way items drop in a lot of these rogue games, it's I don't there's it's appealing for a little bit, but then I start to realize how little control I have over things and it gets frustrating for me. Yes. Absolutely. And I All right, this might sound kind of a uh uh Hippocratic? I'm a, I'm a hypocrite. I enjoy me roguelikes. I do not particularly enjoy me battle royales for the exact same mm. reason. Okay. So the thing I really enjoy about roguelikes is that you're given a base set of mechanics that you can master and you're not competing against anyone else. You're competing against the game. It's a predetermined thing. And I like solving these puzzles. I like finding these patterns. And so even if the rooms change, even if the items change, the enemies are going to be the same. 
I still know okay. what's going to happen with the enemies and how I need to, what I need to do to gain an advantage over them. The question is, you know, how do I do it with the materials I have on me? That makes a lot of sense. As somebody that I know enjoys the Dark Souls series, I could see your brain wrapping itself around that, okay, there's a lot I can't control, but I know how this part works, so let me see how I could approach this same problem with my current tools mm-hmm. in a completely new way. Exactly. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you back with something because you brought up the Battle Royale thing. And I think the reason I like Battle Royales is actually very similar to why you like the roguelikes. So part of what really frustrates me as I get older and part of the reason I stopped playing the Call of Duties and the first-person shooters as much is I just don't have the reflexes. I'm not 18 anymore. Mm-hmm. And as somebody that used to get paid to play competitively in call of duties and gears of war it really frustrates me that i can't just go into lobbies and smack kids the way i used to (laughs) if if the only thing that's going to determine whether i win or lose is our age i've already lost like my vision is going and i am slow when it comes to the reflexes because most nights i'm playing things i'm exhausted Mm -hmm. and while shooting is important in battle royales this, the map, I actually love that. It's why I play League, too. The map never changes. And you can learn the subtleties of things. Even though I can't control what loot drops and what my enemies are going to do, and it is me versus somebody else, which does add a little bit of extra pressure, mm-hmm. the way I'm going to win is by understanding the game better and having a better strategy than you. I don't have to be the better shooter. Whereas in Call of Duty, you and I are going to run into the hallway at the same time. And whoever's got the faster reflexes is going to win. Um, so I, I could totally understand, though. There's a, a joy to it being you versus your... It's like the game of golf, right? Yeah. You're, you only have to hold yourself accountable to yourself. And it's you versus the game. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. something beautiful about that. See, and you saying that kind of sparks an interesting thought in me where I enjoy races. Like... Having grown up as a speedrunner for years, the way that we test ourselves is by competing against our past times to see how much, uh, how much faster we can be personally, but then also do a live race with another person. We're not competing against them in game and in most competitive things where you're head on against another person, say MOBAs, say shooters, whatever. I'm not good. Like I, mm. I. I enjoy playing with friends, but once you bring that competitive aspect into it, I, I kind of freeze up and I just, I know my skill is not going to match whoever, well, most people will play against. I'm just there for fun times. But when we go into those uh, the challenge races, we're doing like, you know, Dark Souls, no hit run or whatever, uh, speed run, like it's me testing my mastery of the mechanics over someone else's mastery of the mechanics. And that, to me, is so much more engaging, to be honest. But it's, it's kind of the same thing, right? You're, you're still competing against someone. You're still having to, uh, to react, to do this, to do that. It's just not head-on or face-to-face. And to me, there's a kind of disconnect in that, as weird as that might sound. No, I actually, I can see... You're still you're still challenging somebody else, but it's more so actually a challenge versus your yourself that you'll then compare to somebody else. Yes, yeah, later that, on. That, that's a great way to look at it. You know, 
it, it kind of reminds me of like I, I think to the good old sports analogies, sports ball. Let's go. Go team. Um, you know, as big as of a, a nerd as I am, there was many sports that if I had been a more dedicated individual, I could probably still be playing today. Uh, one of which was was soccer. I was a fantastic soccer player, and there were moments in the game where I knew everything was on my shoulders and I was okay with it um, because you didn't have time to think about these things. And it was, it was your training either. So for instance, I played goalkeeper for uh, actually the first 10 years I played soccer. I never stepped out of the goal. I played on three different age groups, mine and the two above me in the goal. And you don't think when you're a goalie, it's purely reflex. It's purely reflex. Sure. And then, when I got out into the field, because they started to realize I just, I became a freak of nature somewhere around the age of 13 and could just <laughs> kick a ball from our own goal. Uh, so the, the way the yards work in, in soccer, a soccer field is 20 yards larger than a uh, football field. And essentially I could kick a soccer ball from one end zone to the other end zone. Jesus. And once that was realized, um, they took me out of the goal because they wanted to utilize my leg. Well, on the opposite end of things, there's something called a, a penalty kick mm-hmm. where it's the person shooting and the goalie, which in this case was not me. I was not good at this situation because there's a lot of dead time and there's a lot of time to think about and reflect. what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 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 So in those moments where it was just your instinct, it was just do the thing you know how to do. I excelled. So when you're doing your no hit runs and it's just, Hey, I'm doing the mechanics. I do all the time. We'll check the results later on because I don't have time to think about that right now. Right now I got to dodge that dude's leg. That's about to try to take my head off in this boss fight. You know, you don't have that time. You're just doing what you do versus interesting versus. All right, we're going to drop you guys pistols only into hang them high. First one to die is it's, it's over. You have time to sit there and think about that. And it becomes a whole different mechanic. Oh it becomes God. a whole different like way of wrapping your head around it. My mind's just blown. <laughs> that's yeah. That, that's that's ball. a fantastic way. Uh, so I also used to play sports. Little known fact. Um, was... Oh yeah, very little known fact. Because Dale, I've known you for <laughs> almost three years now, and uh, it's it's it's, it's not it's th- not a bright bright spot in my history. Um, I played basketball. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Hold on a second. Judges, do, does quid does Quidditch on the local community college campus count? All right. Nope. Dale's an athlete. Apparently it's sanctioned by the NCAA now. I actually used to play chess, I'll have you know. Um Well, I, I actually I, don't doubt that for a second. I, I I I play chess, I don't play it competitively though. Bad respect for the people who do, because the the all the shit they have to think about is crazy. Um, playing like 30 moves ahead. Ridiculous. But yeah, I was on the basketball team, uh, uh, last year of middle school, first year of high school. And it was a thing. It happened. I loved basketball at the time, but once I got in the game, once I was up against other players, I just locked up. I, 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 I could not do it, but Dale was a warm up hero. He was draining those threes and warm up. <laughs> <laughs> Could have hit the backboard in the game. Pure facts. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, when I was younger, I took uh, t- uh, karate to Taekwondo. And I got up to a secondary black belt. And I would go to competitions. And I'd compete. I'd compete for 
uh, for sparring and then breaking the, the, the boards and, and, the, and the forum displays and everything. And I love that. I love that so much. So that, again, that's, that's kind of like comparison between, uh, between the interaction with other people versus what you do personally. You know, I think it's funny. Um, so a couple of days ago, I told Dale what I wanted to talk about. And even before we began recording tonight, uh, I told him what we were going to talk about. <laughs> and then we didn't even touch at all on what we were going to talk about. Um, but folks, this is what we're, this is what we're going to have to do right now. We're going to call this part one of this episode. And Dale thinks I'm going to let him leave right now. Oh, no. um, but I think we, I think we just unearthed the, the tip of an iceberg that I think is more relevant in, in gaming than we, uh, than we think. So, in part two of this, I'm going to actually uh, try to parlay this into a discussion about board games, Dale. Um, All right. And those of you out there that I know love the board game realm, stick around, re- uh, load up part two, download it, do whatever you got to do, um, and we'll catch you guys in just a few minutes. <laughs> 